2: I texted Rick Venturi earlier today. We chatted a few days ago on the phone. Very gracious to come on with us. And he goes, yeah, just send me a reminder on Thursday morning when you wake up. um, What time do you think Rick Venturi woke up this morning?
1: 5 a.m., probably listening to CCR. This was an appropriate bump in, I'm guessing.
2: At 4.01 on this Thursday morning, Rick Venturi rose to start his day coach are you are you alarm at 401 a.m or is this natural body clock
0: oh absolutely not i've always had the work kind of the work schedule of a farmer to be honest with you i've always done my best work early in the morning now i'm not up very late at night i gotta admit that one but uh i get up every morning and i like to get my four hours of work in before uh miss sherry gets up and so (laughs) Basically, I my my first three hours is normally spent on the you know the football issue today. Today it's or uh, this week, you know, obviously I'm beginning to really start to pound the draft and look at tape there, and then the last hour is to check the NBA box scores, major league box scores, and look at the, the horse racing for Saturday because Miss Sherry and I both are big horse race fans. Matter of fact, I hit two. Uh, at Tampa down Saturday and into Sam Davis, which is a big derby prep. Uh, I won that with uh, my guy, Louis Saez. And then uh, I hit on the, uh, what do they call it? The sun coaster, which is a prep for the Oaks. Uh, I hit a 38 to one with my jockey, Sammy Camacho. That. So, it's three. Now, it's three hour, three hours of work and one hour of fun, and then uh, and then I make the coffee, miss, miss Sherry, and we we go on with the day. <laughs>
1: now, now, Rick, I, I think most people know because I have mentioned it before that your son Jason and I, you know, he's one of my guys, right? Uh, I'm going to have to let Absolutely. him know not to count on. I'm going to send him a text not to count on as much inheritance as he had originally thought. You know, right?
0: <laughs> I heard winners That's, in that, that though. Listen, I'm,
1: you guys. Listen, you guys. And and Kevin, you have to know this. I, I'm probably the
0: only guy that knew. Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and Jay Query before they became icons.
2: <laughs> oh <laughs> gosh! Coach. Well, thanks. This ego's as wide as 465 4- right. right now. God. Hey,
1: um, I get his, so. Here's the question: Did the Indianapolis Colts now find themselves the guy that we're going to be able to save ten years from now? The Colts discovered him before he was exactly that we know. What do you see in terms of this hire of Shane Steichen? Your thoughts on the direction now the franchise heads? Yeah, that's that's a good
0: question. I, You know, ten years from now, you know whether or not that uh, Shane Steichen makes a great head coach. You know that that's a bit of a crapshoot. You know, we're in an era now where there are no known commodities. The only known commodities, proven winner head coach, was you know with Sean Payton, and you know we have way too many holes uh, to give away that much draft capital. Um, you know to get into that market, so. Uh, You go to the next step. The next step is, you know, top flight assistance, top flight assistance, which you don't know whether any of them are going to be great or not. You hope you get Zach Taylor and not hack it. I mean, really, it comes down to that. In my case, I'm very happy with the hire, and I'm very higher with the venting process. I don't think you can vent enough, and particularly when you're not in direct competition with another team. You know, I think the fact that the Eagles went all the way helped us because, he, he was going to be available just like Callahan Kafka, not quite as long. Raheem was always there. That was my, my top four. Steichen was always number one. And, you know, you you always, when you interview here, obviously you're looking for leadership organization, uh, you know, um, the skill sets, uh, presence, the skill sets that make a head coach. But in my case, you know, I think this is a little bit different times in two twenty three. I think in a way it's a little bit like the draft uh, Jacob. It's, you know, if you have equal, if you have equal guys, let's say that you liked Raheem as well as you like Steichen in interviews. But in this case, I think what was really important is that we have to fill some needs. It's like taking a need player when they're equal. And basically, there was a hat trick that I was looking for. Number one, an offensive designer. Uh, number two. Uh, you know, a guy that was a play caller legitimately, and number three, a guy that was a quarterback whisperer. And so in that case, even though there were good candidates, um, the only guy that's really proven there, and he's proven to be a quarterback whisperer with different types of quarterbacks, was Steichen. So, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with that. I, I like the press conference. I don't, I don't need a comedian. I don't need a guy that talks about his faith. I want a hard-nosed football guy that is forceful, that is a top X and O guy, that when he starts talking about football, it's all football. And, you know, I really like that. I don't know him personally, but I know his body of work because I I watch tape to determine (laughs) what I think. But I, like I said, I really like the hire. I do believe that this in 223 is the best possible uh, outcome of the search. Uh, you know, whether or not, uh, he becomes a great head coach, you know, we will find out. I mean, we'll, we'll see that nobody can predict that at this moment.
2: Again, Rick Venturi is with us 4:01 a.m. No need for the alarm for coach Venturi. I think he <laughs> might be off to the Gruden compound a little bit later today. We will chat 2023 quarterbacks, his early thoughts there. And a few other things with the coach this morning. Um, I, I want to flip sides of the ball. Um, obviously, Shane Steichen and that hire speaks for itself. Offensively, the retention of Gus Bradley, Rick. I think a lot of people just assume it's a foregone conclusion. You and I have had conversations, though, and and you know think that you know at times I think people just got too content with the defense last year because the offense was so horrid.
0: Yeah, there's no question about it, and there's certainly a natural um, tie-in with Steichen and uh, Gus's staff. They all work together at San Diego, so the, the familiarity is there. Um, as I said with John yesterday, if if he doesn't retain him, it'll really be a message that's sent. I I assume that he will retain that guy, and I certainly hope he holds Bubba. as a star. You you can't let Bubba out of the building. Uh, But I do think, you know, and and I think you're making a good point, I think our defense, and and I like Gus Bradley. I'd like to keep Gus Bradley, but I would like to keep him qualified with some mandates. I think that our defense got a real pass because the offense was so putrid. I mean, I, could, I don't even want to go any de- the offensive stats because all you had to do was watch it with your eyes. But defensively, there were several games, I think seven or more, that one defensive stop, as bad as the offensive was, one defensive stop would have made the difference, would have won the game, and we never got that in the fourth quarter. And when you look at some of the stats that I look at, because I know the difference in what stats really matter to playoff and not, when you start looking at them, at the end of the day, it's 28th in points given up, 32nd in the red zone. Uh, Opponents' quarterback rating, number 30, 96-3. Opponents' pass percentage, number 31, 70%. And then the worst stat of all, which was the killer, is fourth quarter defense number thirty-one, and then you could add the fact that we went from number two in takeaways to number twenty. So there's a hell of a lot of work to be done, and I would I would I would mandate some things. I would say number one, there has to be much more diversity in front and in secondary coverage. I, I don't think simplicity wins in the National Football League. Uh, number two, I think there has to be much better rush plans for specific quarterbacks. I mean, you know, on a third down on the in, the in the low red zone, you know, to let Hertz run to Noblesville on a quarterback draw, that's is just intolerable to me. I think the blitz percentage has to be up. Uh, we're one of the lowest teams, I think, at 14%. That has to really go up. You can't sit there against the modern-day quarterback. And then number four, I, I'd like to see him be a lot more game-specific. I just – one of my pet peeves is when a guy – comes in as a superstar whether it's A.J. Brown or whatever that's the guy you got to stop and, and good coaches have to have that specific game plan that stops those guys and I'd like to, I haven't seen that around here enough for a long time I'd like to see that improve so do I do I like Gus Bradley yes uh do I think Gus can evolve uh I believe he can um you know if he doesn't uh, I think no matter what we do on offense, we'll still struggle. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done, you know, top to bottom here, uh, Kevin. I really do.
1: Rick Venturi is our guest on the Payless Suckers Hotline. Of course, 11 years in coaching with the Colts amongst his vast coaching career. And now you can hear him, of course, with Matt Taylor on the Colts radio network. Rick, I was curious about this. When you come in, if you're a new coach, and I realize maybe some guys like to immediately put their footprint on it, some guys – Want to see where things lie? This is a, a first year coach, but in your experience, from a coaching standpoint, which is the longer and more arduous process: taking a roster and having those guys conform to the style you want to see, or conforming your style to the rest to the roster that you are inheriting?
0: Well, I think there's I, I think there's two nuanced uh, issues there. I think number one, you have to establish your way of life, your way of doing business. you know, you know most of the time we will say that's accountability. Um, I think that's really important. There's been murmurs, I don't know. I wasn't inside the building every day. There's been murmurs of laxity and lack of accountability. Maybe that's true, maybe it isn't, but you have to initially establish your way of life you know whether it's the sabin way of life your way of life andy reed's way of life that atmosphere and you want to address that immediately you want to establish that leadership program but then number two it's a different program i think mentally from a schematic standpoint you do have to be flexible and you have to adapt to the personnel that you end up with no matter how much roster change we think we can make eventually we're going to be in a deck of cards 52 and we're going to be dealt that hand and we have to be able to play that hand and one of the reasons that you know i like steichen with going back to my first premise was yes i think philadelphia has done the very best job of adapting to modern day football in other words they have developed an NFL passing game, and they have improved Hertz. but they have taken elements of the college game, the NCAA game, the zone reads, the suites, the quarterback uh, designers, uh, and they've added them, and they've successfully done it. It's not that easy, and they have really, to me, state-of-the-art offensive scheme for the modern-day kit. But at the same time, he's also been the quarterback coach with Herbert who was Rookie of the Year, and more importantly, he was the quarterback coach with Rivers, who we know is old-school, classic, non-movement quarterback. So what I see there is, from a, a, that standpoint, that question, is that you. I think the great ones have great flexibility. You've seen it with Andy Reid over the years. You've seen it with people. Shula was the great example threw every down with uh, Dan Marino, ran every down with Zonka. So, I mean, you've got to have that mental flexibility, and that, and that's why it's so important. You've got to have an X and O guy as your head coach. That It's a myth that you can have a CEO guy. It's a myth because even though you want an organizational guy and maybe he doesn't call the plays, but that guy's got to be able to push the buttons X and O-wise on both sides of the ball or else you're not going to make it.
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites.
2: Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: If Indianapolis has decided, Rick, and by all account this is going to be the case, we don't know, but it appears as though they have finally decided that, yes, it is draft quarterback and, and do away with veteran Band-Aid year-to-year process so in the event that they are going to draft a quarterback did that further necessitate them getting a head coach that is the the new style as the beastie boys would say as opposed to the old guard
0: I would say absolutely it certainly was with me because again you need a total turnaround schematically but you need a guy who can develop a young investment quarterback. There's no question about that. That was, you know, in, in, as I said, you know, in my in my trio, in my three commandments, I wanted offensive design, play caller, and quarterback whisperer and developer. I think that you're absolutely right on that. Now, nobody's going to admit that. They'll say we didn't go in with an idea and all that. Well, that's okay, you, you can, you know, talk to my hand on that. But in the end, I think that's exactly right. And you're not sure – and you're absolutely right uh, uh, Jake and and it hasn't necessarily I don't think necessarily been that they didn't want to get a young franchise quarterback. One of the problems that Ballard had along the way is after Andrew walked out, we were always just good enough to and we probably overrated our roster to believe that we could get a patchwork guy get us through a year and we, in a way we did with Rivers and then it blew up with Wentz and it blew up with Ryan. But now for the third time, and you guys are historic there in Indianapolis, the the third time, this is the third time we've been in the lottery since 99. And the first two worked out pretty well with the number one pick. And so I want to see us. This is Rick Vinter. This is no one else. I'll, I'll give it my unfiltered is that we need to get to one. We need to do what we did when we moved up to get Jeff George. Whether that worked out or not is problematic. We need to be at that one pick and I have my feelings about it, but you want to get the guy that you think is the best. You really don't want to settle for three or four. Not, And I think there's five guys on the board that are all very, very good. I'd have probably take Hooker off because of the need, but there's five guys that are very good. There's one guy, in my opinion, that stands above it. But in that sense, this is the first time we've been in the lottery, and, and we're very fortunate. I mean, we were lucky with Luck because – this was not a bad franchise who had the first pick. This was a franchise that just had one bad season because of Manning's injury and then ended up, you know, you talk about being lucky to have luck sitting there on that one bad season. And now we're in the lottery again, hopefully not for a long time. So you have to make this pick do. And if the, if it takes giving rid of draft capital, you've got to get this guy to, to be the guy at the crossroads in this in this franchise.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You don't want to hope someone falls in your lap. You've got to go identify and grab. That guy, Rick Venturi is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, let's focus on that 2023 quarterback class here for a second. And I know you're still yeah. kind of early in that evaluation. You've certainly watched film. The character element, you know, we'll, we'll obviously see how yeah. all of that plays out. But when you look at Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Hinden Hooker, what do you see with this group?
0: Yeah, I spent a whole day at, at, at with John Gruden and Gruden Enterprises in Tampa on uh, what's today there's on Tuesday, and we studied the top eight guys and really in detail from game tape to best plays, worst plays, you know, about as thorough as you could get. So I have at least a feeling in my mind, uh, and and the way I've always done it goes back to my recruiting days, really way back when in college, is that. You know, I am an analytics guy. I'm not a dinosaur. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, says, well, he could play or he can't play. No, I I study it all. I I look for all the metrics. All the metrics are important to me. The game tape is important. And then the vetting process is important. Now, that's one thing I don't do. The Colts certainly will because I would want to meet, you know, as long as it took with all four guys at the top. And when I come out of there, I've got to make sure there's football intelligence, there's leadership qualities. I mean, when you look at the two guys in the Super Bowl and then throw Joe Burroughs in there, my top three, I mean, you got guys with great football intelligence, great presence, great leadership skills, along with immense talent. And so that's really important, and that's going to divide people. Now, when I look at this year's crop, to me, there's one guy that is unique in terms of, of playmaking ability, the guy that goes beyond the playbook, one of the three pillars that Steichen brought up, accuracy, decision-making, the ability to create, the ability to study relentlessly. Well, the one guy I know that today is Bryce Young. Now, I can't make him bigger. And, you know, people can push back. If you want to, that's fine. I'm just giving you my opinion. He is the game-changer. He is the guy that can make spectacular plays, you know, we kind of refer to him down here as Little Mo in that there is only one Mahomes, but he makes – he has some of those traits. Unfortunately, Mahomes is 6'5", and he's 5'11", but that is what it is. I can't make it bigger, but I've got to make a choice. And so, to me, I trade to one to get Bryce Young. Because – if let me say to you, Kevin, if you don't get to one with Houston sitting at two, somebody else is. So you're going to have to decide between three and four, which is a good kid, which is a very talented guy. But I would put Young as my top guy and then draw a line. Now, two, three, and four, it's a lot tougher than people think. I think the media consensus right now and all the draft mix that don't know a football from a basketball, they all consensus-wise, you know, basically they have Stroud as number two. In my world, in the football technical world, it is not that clear cut between Stroud, Levis, and Richardson, to be honest with you. Again, Hooker's the outlier now because of the knee. He would have been in the top five. You know, in Stroud, you have a guy that does do everything well. There's no question about it. He does everything well. I don't think he has the wow, and he's bigger. There's no doubt about that. You know, he, he like uh, Young, uh, you know, they've driven Mercedes. There's no question about it. They got mercedes wheels and everything around them to be good. I don't think Young had nearly the talent this year than he has had, and I thought he did well with it. But Stroud does everything very, very well. He just doesn't give me the wow, uh, the wow factor, what I call the electricity test. Electricity test is after I've done all the vitals, does he he turn me on or doesn't he? I like Stroud a lot. You're not going to be, I don't think, unhappy. Now, when you get to Levis and Richardson, that's the tough choice because you have immense talent in both guys. When you look at Levis, and those guys did not drive Mercedes. They drove my, my, my 22 Escape. They didn't drive Mercedes at Kentucky or Florida. Now, when you watch Levis, you got, you look at a guy with a big skill set. You know, he's very much like Stroud. They're in the 4.7s. They're not great athletes like Young is a very good athlete. He's in the four or fives as far as running metrically, okay? But uh, Levis, you can look at seven plays out of ten, and you will say this guy can do it all. He can throw the dig. He can move. He can avoid. He can throw the fade. He can do everything. And then there's three plays in the ten that you will say, a little bit like Carson once. like, why? how did he do that? What was he thinking? You know, there are the minuses that you – to somehow either get through or accept, and then you know there is some quirkiness to his personality, which I don't think that's necessarily a, a you know a game changer. But I also you know you know I don't want a weirdo at quarterback either. Okay, now the the most I think problematic guy is Richardson. Richardson has immense talent. Uh, if you were sitting in a situation. Where you could wait a little bit, like the Packers did with Love, he might be the best prospect. But I don't know. I don't think we're in a position to wait. We certainly don't have anybody we want to put in front of him. But this guy has better talent, skill set than all of them. I mean, he's probably a four or five, he's probably the fastest, no question about it. His arm is terrific, his release is terrific. But at the end of the day, he's only started 11 games. You know, and he's coming out. So, you know, he is going to have to be tremendously vetted. And I, I just think off the cuff, I don't think he's going to be ready. But, you know, he might have the highest ceiling, no question about it. So, you know, you've got four very, very good kids. Um, you know, I think uh, with the exception of size, you've got one guy who is above them in playmaking ability. And I know what his pedigree is. I know what he comes from. Uh, I I know what his leadership skills are. So you know that's kind of how I look at it right now. There's still a lot of work to be done. You know between, be, you know before late April.
1: Rick, we were talking about this yesterday, so I want your opinion on this. It which is a greater gap, or, or which? Let me rephrase that. <clears throat> which is the 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 bigger the bigger quantitative number, the the drop between drafting first and drafting fourth in terms of the quality of quarterback you might get or the quality of pieces that you would have to give up to move from four to one? Is it worth the return on investment?
0: Well, you know, I, you know, again, I don't know exactly what the investment could be. Uh, I think we're an ideal trading partner with the bears for several reasons. I think, first of all, the bears only have to move back two spots, you know, and, and if they move back uh, two spots, they can still get the dynamic, game-changing defensive guy, uh, you know, like a Carter, uh, like an Anderson, uh, like uh, Murphy, your boy from Clemson. I mean, they're going to be able to move back at four to four and get a great defensive player, a great football player. There's left tackles available. I mean, guys that are game changers. So, I mean, from their standpoint, they would rather trade with us than anybody. And then the other thing is Eberflus knows our roster. So, he knows it very well. So, if there's a player involved, an active player involved with the draft choices, he's going to have a good handle on that. Whether or not it's worth the investment, the trade has to be in front of me. But I think there's going to have to be a commitment and we can't just keep holding on to draft picks and keep, you know, keep having marginal to bad seasons, okay? Here's the deal, I think. Right now, we're at a, a crossroads. Again, third time since 99 that we're in a lottery situation, which hopefully we won't be in again for another couple decades, okay? So to me, this is going to be the only time that you're going to be able to get that franchise starter. Now, you you know, it, it, it may not have, be the guy I feel, but at any rate, it's got to be the guy you feel and to me this is the time to do it and if there's a big time investment involved that's going to be the consequence to be honest with you now they're obviously going to hold us up and there's going to be competition but i just feel like this if we don't get the one somebody else is going to get the one and then houston's sitting at two so now you're looking at a different decision on three on on number four
2: coach we'll end with this and again thank you a ton for your time this morning um, free agency is about a month away. I mean, the Colts don't have a ton of, I think, stand-on-the-table guys, but they certainly have a handful of starters that could hit the open market. I'll throw a couple names at you. Yanni Kangakwe, Bobby O'Karake, Paris Campbell. Thoughts on bringing any of those back?
0: Well, I, I, I like Okereke the best. I, I think Okereke is the best for the money. Um, I think he's become a really outstanding linebacker. Uh, there's no question in my mind he's one of the best cover guys in the league. You know, he's a really good space player, a good, a really good tackler. You know, he and Franklin were not the reason that we struggled on defense. Trust me on that. They were not. I like him the best. Um, I like Campbell. Uh, I think there's some upside. I, I still don't see a great wow there. I, I You know, I, again, I think one of the biggest issues that we've had over the years besides the quarterback carousel, is not putting the investments into explosive game-changers on offense, and so far I don't see it, and I, I think he potentially can, uh, but I, you know, I, I still haven't seen it totally. And then uh, with Ngakwe, I like him. I, I like him on my team. Uh, he's a great effort guy. Um, he will get you that eight to ten sacks, but they, I call them quiet sacks. I never feel like that he's taking over a game like a Riddick or, you know, or, you know or, or Clarks or Fords or or Graham. I never feel like that, you know, if I'm game planning that I have to have a, an ambient guy, a guy that I have, a, have to have a special plan for. So I'd like to have him back. I think Gus and those guys like him. They've had him. But I would not play I would not pay him like a dominant impact
1: player. March fifth, Rick, Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. I'll be down there. If you're still down there in Florida hanging out, uh, would love to see you. But in the meantime,
2: you're gonna wake up at four oh one and head over to the compound. I, I would with say that's Rick unlikely.
1: On my way back to uh, heading in for the night, I can stop by. Okay. Yeah, I can
0: tell you this. Jake is one of the few people, maybe the only person in Indianapolis that has ever sat on that front porch on the Gulf of Mexico with me. That is right? correct. That is correct. That's an that is honor. correct. And, and the other thing it's I will awesome. tell you is he, he and my son, if you can get the senior yearbook from North Central, <laughs> he and my son Jason inserted themselves in the Honor Society oh, photograph. Yeah. Now, both guys were tr- really good students and really achievers. Honor Society, Kevin, I'm not sure, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but their picture is there.
2: We, yeah, that we, was Jake doing his best George O'Leary impression. We combined I think, exactly. for a 4.0. <laughs> 4.01 right. a.m. That's what time Rick Venturi started his day today for insight like this. Coach, enjoy the time down there with Miss Sherry. Safe travels back here.
0: All right, guys, you're my favorites. I, I, I'll talk to you later.